I'm going to start with a nice word on Parshas B'chikoisai. In the Toichecha, there's a Pusik stuck in the middle of the Vizvadi Asavoinam. I say Vidi on the Avairis. So in the Cypher Emrida from Bajan, he says, the Choyre Vizvadi Asavoinam, somebody's saying Vidi, somebody's uh, you know, owning up, somebody's admitting to a virus that they committed. That's a, a wonderful thing. Why is that Why is that in the Toichecha? So he says that we know that everything has to be in the right time. Right? The Pasukim talk about it. The Rosh Hashunah, Yama Mishpat, Yama Din, um, there's no Vidi. There's no Vidi in the Yama Din. Yama Kippur, or Mizvada. But Rosh Hashunah, which is Yama Din, you don't find Vidi. Only between the Tkiyas, um, where the Shas Tkiyas is where there's, you know, the, the Sutan is already available, and that's why over there we can stick in some Vidi, and the Sutan is not going to pick up on it. But in general, Rosh Hashunah is a Yama Din, and Yama Din is not the time for Vidi. And that's why, you know, Chazal weren't Masakim that we're, that we're Mizvada um, on Rosh Hashunah. It says the same thing over here. We're talking about in the Torah of Avad the Magoyim. We're talking about as man of, of Shlita Sadinam. When, when the Torah is going on, when it's being Makiyim, Chaz Vashulam, there's Avad the Magoyim going on, this Vadi Asavoinam is not a Mala anymore. This Vadi Asavoinam, saying the right thing at the wrong time is not a Mala. Saying Vidi Avoinis, which would have been such a wonderful thing in good times, but when the Shlita Sadinam, it brings a Kitrig, and, and it shouldn't be mentioned. That's why it's part of the Torah. And of course, in, in a good time, in a, in a calm time, when there's no shlitzadinim, the best thing is when a person owns up and a person's mizvada and a person turns to Hashem and asks forgiveness for the things that weren't good. So this is a, you know, obviously a very um, typical idea that we talk about a lot of times about timing. Timing is everything. You can say the best thing in the wrong time and it can be the worst thing. I'm not going to say you say the worst thing and the best time is the best thing. That also, it's not only timing. You obviously have to have healthy messages as well. But over here we see another thing, which is the, the vidi avoinus. You know, vidi avoinus is a wonderful thing, but it's not it's not something pleasant. I think more wonderful than than being mezvada on avoinus is not doing avoinus, right? Vidi avoinus, admitting and owning up and talking about um, avoiders that were committed is not the best thing. It's the second best thing. The best thing is not to have avoiders. The second best thing is to talk about them when you have to. But but doing something that's a little undesirable, but in the wrong time is even worse. And this is a very important message. You know, if you want to give your spouse a compliment, you want to say something nice to somebody, you want to make someone feel good or express appreciation, you don't have to be so careful with the timing. You can, you can say whenever you want. You know, it's, obviously, if somebody's very anxious or they're running out to a car or waiting or knocking on the bathroom door, and it's not the time to start saying compliments. But in general, you don't have to be so careful how you time, time your compliments. They might be taken better and be more meaningful in a better minute, you know, but other than that, you're, you're good to go. But saying something that's not so... Um, um, Ple- pleasurable, so pleasant. Bringing up a topic that's not so great, but it could be worded well and it could be taken well. Let's call it constructive criticism. Let's call it some uh, healthy feedback that you want to share with someone. You want to share how you feel or express yourself. Again, be, you have to be more careful. The more sensitive something gets, the more the timing you know, has, to be, has to be taken into account and understand that the same message that maybe would have been just fine when you're on a walk or when things are good or when you're sitting on the couch... Or, or when you make up a time to talk about it, but when you just throw it in the wrong time, or when somebody's not feeling great about something, that's obviously not the time to start educating them or telling them how you feel. So that's just a very simple and very important and often overlooked uh, message that I think people should take more into consideration. So let me read a question here. Hi, Rabbi Gruen. I hope you and your family are well. Okay, thank you. Thank you for this Dvartoira this week. Um, sadly. Okay, so for those who don't know, I think many people do know by now, but I do send out a weekly essay. Um, so whoever wants it could reach out, partial lessons at lahair.org, 
P-A-R-S-H-A-L-E-S-S-O-N-S at L-E-H-A-I-R dot O-R-G and you'll get every week a lesson, an essay, which I hope will enhance um, people's strong bias and I think all those who sponsor the, the weekly essays, it's a big help. So some devotee or some essay triggered um, this question over here, so let me, let me just read the question instead of going back to what the essay was about. We aren't in the best of places, but we really both want to make it work. My husband brings up the concept of divorce too often, probably due to the fact that his parents have been divorced and others in the family, and goes on to some things which I, I don't want to get to identifying, obviously, but unfortunately divorce is something that um, you know he's seen many times close up. So it's a natural thing for him to think of divorce, unfortunately, and very, very hurtful for me to hear. But I know he doesn't mean it literally. It just means I'm mad at you and I need a breather. So I work very, very hard on our marriage. Berkshire, I have an excellent therapist and a solid Das Teure who supports my hard work. I know it's for the greater good and that's what keeps me going, but it's lonely and exhausting work. And as Ray Gruen mentioned, it's important to realize that some people need to get a lot before they can start giving back. It's in quotes, probably from the essay. I'll admit that this morning after a painful episode yesterday, my husband sent me a text saying, I'm very sorry for saying that yesterday. I just responded without thinking. I'm sorry. Which is huge, huge, huge. And I told him that I appreciate it. But this is the first returns that I'm seeing in our eight years of marriage. So it's hopeful, but it's hard to wait so long for returns. My question is, what can I do to maintain my own koyach while I'm not seeing returns? Thank you so much. Okay. So this is something that I have spoken about in the past, which is obviously what this question is referring to. Um, I have a class in Torah time called the lopsided marriage. And the lopsided marriage means that there are marriages that are a little lopsided. What does lopsided mean? It doesn't mean that one is great and one is terrible, one's uh, you know, good or bad. It means that sometimes you have to give more than you get in order that you get. Which means, in a normal relationship, let's call it, you should be giving one for one, two for two. Um, sometimes you have to give ten, and only then you get ten. If you don't give all ten first, you don't get the returns. You have to invest more, and then it comes back, and it does come back. And I believe that with anyone, you can get back um, just almost like what you're giving. But sometimes you have to give a lot of it beforehand. And many people don't have the patience. I gave a compliment, I did a favor, how come, how come it's not coming back? I already said a good word, and you start getting into demanding mode, and unhappy mode, and resentful mode, and, and, you, know, and you don't wait for it to come, you, you don't do enough for it to come. But anyway, I'm just explaining the question still. Um, that's the, the question. The question is, what could I do to maintain my own koyach while I'm not seeing the returns? So let me just go back a little bit. With a short introduction, it says over here that uh, we both want to make it work. We're not in the best place. We both really want to make it work. That's wonderful. I, I'm assuming that you communicate about it and that you both know that each other want to make it work. If not, you're just assuming so, which is also good. I mean, you could talk for yourself. And the fact that you see your husband is wanting to make it work, that's that's also an excellent, an excellent thing to see. I do want to point out that it's often it, it's enough for one person to want to make it work in order for it to work. Uh, obviously it's better when two people want to make it work but sometimes people get into that mode of do you both want to make this work or not because I'm not doing this myself and that's where it becomes a problem so if your wanting to make it work is dependent on how much your husband wants to make it work that's the problem so if it's true what you're saying or if you think it's true that you both want to make it work that's wonderful don't be dependent on how much someone else is making this work um, so that's something I did want to point out but then you mentioned that you work very hard on it which is wonderful on your end and that's something that's that's very important um, the fact that your husband comes from a background that maybe wasn't so easy um, I don't know if that's the blame for everything he's saying or doing but being considerate of somebody's 
background is, is uh, important. You, know, you definitely have to take into consideration. People have been through things. I'm not going to say that's everything. And, and there's a limit to how much I believe that really is the answer for why someone's behaving a certain way. At the end of the day, you'll see that maybe siblings who've been through similar backgrounds are behaving differently. So it's not all the nurture and the upbringing, but it's definitely something to be considerate of. And sometimes people complain to me that I don't know why my spouse is not considerate enough of the fact that I went through a lot of difficulty. Now again, it doesn't justify what you're doing. But, you know, just to understand how well, things that people have been through definitely is something that should be taken into consideration. And, and part of what I said before about giving before you get back is also, you know, some people it's harder for them to give somewhat due to what they've been through and that's something to take into consideration. Just now I was busy with Ingeman who Bukhshan pulled me back and told me, you know, it's been a few weeks, it took a few weeks of doing the right moves and, and putting in the right effort the way we discussed, he tells me. And Baruch Hashem, he's starting to really see a lot of returns that he wasn't even expecting. So it was very gratifying to hear that he had the patience to wait it out and see when it took effect and how it's coming back now faster than he imagined, you know, and, and more than he thought his wife was capable of doing. You do mention that it's lonely and exhausting to put an effort into a marriage when you don't see someone working along. And I do understand it. I do understand it. It is exhausting and it is lonely. At least when two people are trying their best to both make it work and they will see where the other person is trying to make it work, then even with all the bumps, at least you know there's, you know you see where it, it evens out. But when you're doing it on your own, it's not easy. And the truth is, this is a general thing in life where some people feel like they're giving more than they're getting. In general, I'm not talking about relationships with this resentment even. Um, in almost every family, for example, there are the one or two or three people. I'm saying in a bigger, in a larger family with siblings and or sometimes it's an extended family where there are people that are carrying more burden. The people who are the ones, the go-to people. The people who are the ones that people lean on. Uh, i never forget the, 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 the expression, the way someone told it to me. I feel like I'm a tree. And everyone around me is just leaning on me. Now that's exhausting. It's exhausting to have everyone lean on you. And sometimes the person who everyone's leaning on also wants to lean on someone and there's no one there that they can lean on because they're the kind of guy who just does it. And, and, and this is an important um, topic of its own to know how to have that self-care and, and, and take care of yourself as well. But sometimes, I puts a person in a situation where he is the one that's taking the brunt of responsibility and work and, and support, and that's what it is. And you have it in every family, you have it in every marriage, you have it in every um, situation, every setting, every business, that there are people who take more of it. And very many of those people are doing it either because that's what they're naturally good at, even though it's still exhausting, or because nobody else is doing it, and it's even more exhausting because they're not even so great at it. Um, but I think it's important to realize that, yes, this is the part that you could do, and this is the part you want to do, and it is lo- lonely and it is exhausting, and sometimes you need that validation to yourself and say, yes, I'm doing something very exhausting, very lonely, but I believe in what I'm doing, and I have a, I have a motive why I'm doing this. I'm remembering that it's for Hashem, I'm remembering it's for the greater good, I'm remembering it's for my future, it's for my children, and sometimes that gives a person the chizik to do things that are lonely and exhausting. So let me just uh, move on with that. And, and it is all Hashem, it is all Hashem. You know what, I'm just reminding myself now of, of uh, a, a short idea somebody once shared with me. Somebody once went into Reb Herschel's Pinka and he told him that he wants to go on vacation. So he said, you know, he's worked so hard and he puts in so much effort in his, in his work, it was in the Chinuch and whatever, he feels he has to go on vacation. And his Pinka Rebbe told him, you know what, go on vacation, it's fine. When you come back, I, I, I want to I share with you something. When you come back, not now. When you, so he went on vacation, you got some rest, comes back, and he came back to the Spinkarev. He said, okay, what is it now? He said, I want to tell you how you don't have to... I, I want to tell you what you can do that you won't need so much vacation. When you need it, you go. But I want to tell you what you can do to not need the vacation. And he spoke about himself, Spinkarev. He said, he doesn't go on vacation. He said, when a person's doing and doing and doing, and he feels like, oh, it's all him, so you get very exhausted because you're doing so much. 
said, I know I'm not doing anything. It's all what Hashem is helping me do. So when Hashem is doing so much, I don't get exhausted from what Hashem is doing. And that's why I don't need vacation. Now, obviously, you know, you have to be a very big person to live like that and feel like that. I'm just mentioning it, that when you get lonely and you get exhausted and you turn to Hashem and He's the one helping you, and you know that everything is only because He lets you do it, and you remember that you're working for Hashem and there's a bigger motive and a bigger um, goal involved, it, it sometimes helps out when things are lonely and things are somewhat exhausting. Now let me talk about how to get better returns first. You know, you're talking about how to be patient, and you should be patient, I hope that's what I spoke about till now, but how do you get better returns? Maybe you don't have to wait um, so many years to get returns. Now I'm assuming... I'm not assuming. Um, I'm trusting what you're telling me um, that you're not getting the returns. For all I know, your husband has a very different take on what's going on over here. So I'm, I'm, not, I'm just working with what you're telling me. Somebody who's not getting enough returns um, from a husband. It's very important that when you give a husband or a spouse or a wife or anyone, for that matter, it doesn't have to be Dafka a husband, um, but you have to know how to give. There are people who give and give and give and they're not getting back and they don't realize that a lot of their giving I don't want to say it's it's triggering. I don't like that word. I don't want to say they're doing something wrong by giving. You're giving. What could be better than that? You know, you can't use it against someone that did a favor for someone. But sometimes there's a, there's a smarter way to give. Let me point that out. If you're going to give someone 10 favors and hope they're going to give you back favors, then maybe it will happen. Maybe by the time you give the 10th favor, somebody will wow, you're being so nice to me. I don't have a choice. I have to start giving back. Even if I'm really narcissistic and self-absorbed, but, but I have to give back to someone who gives me so much. That's true. And it is true. It is true. But sometimes there's an attitude when people give of I'm the giver, you're the taker. And I'm not talking about when it's said or expressed in a nasty way. I'm not, I'm not suspecting that's what you're doing. But sometimes a husband can feel intimidated by how much you're giving. Again, she's giving me. Again, she's complimenting me. Again, she's preparing me supper. Again, she's preparing me a lunch. Again, she's helping me. Again, she's this. Some, some people feel intimidated by that and they don't feel good about it. It's not bringing out the best in them. How often do you see that someone's being good to someone else and the person who's being good to has a problem appreciating it and, and taking it well and it's not just because they're ungrateful. It's because it doesn't feel good to have somebody being nice to me a whole day, somebody who I need so much and they need nothing from me and I'm giving so little and they're giving me so much and it starts becoming too blatant who's giving and who's taking in this relationship, who needs who in this relationship and sometimes it's very unsettling, it doesn't feel good. Now in most cases, as long as you're not expressing it in a, in, a, in a condescending way, nobody's going to use it against you. Nobody's saying, you're so mean, you're, you're not mean, you're just giving, you're giving, you're giving and giving. But sometimes, if part of the way you give, and part of giving, and part of what you give is, the feeling that the person you're giving to is special. And the person you're giving to is the one who's giving to you. So when you tell someone, you know what, let's go on a walk, you're not saying, you know what, should, should, I, come with a, should, should I come with you on a walk? I have time for you now. I'll put, I'll put everything away, I'll shut my phone, I'll take you on a walk. Sometimes you're doing a wonderful thing, and it won't be turned down, but, but at the end of the day, the, the feeling, the attitude was, I'm taking you for a walk, and I'm buying you a gift, and I'm giving you a compliment, instead of what could have been done just a little, with a little more intelligence, um, I, I, really need a, I really need to get out, and going myself is, is so unpleasant. If you can come with me, I'll be so appreciative. So here you are taking someone for a walk, taking someone for a walk, spending quality time with your spouse, and then leaving your spouse over the feeling that they're giving you now, you did two things. You gave, and you made someone feel good that they gave, and they're feeling good that they're a giver. They're feeling good that you take from them and appreciate them, and that might, aside from just giving better, you already gave so much more. You gave more than you would have given in 10 times, all in this one time. You might help them identify as somebody who's giving. 
you might help them feel good that they're a giver and that you appreciate them and that they're needed and it becomes easier to give when you do that. And that's something that sometimes people don't, don't do. So aside from giving to get returns and besides from investing a lot before you get returns, knowing how to invest and how to make someone feel good and how to help them identify with what they're doing good even before they do it. That's one. Number two, when they do do something good, like you mentioned, your husband sent a nice text apologizing. That's not like sometimes some people say, you know, don't hurt me and don't apologize. But apologizing is a big thing and many people don't apologize, unfortunately. Well, you can capitalize on that and turn it into something big. Now, I know you said you appreciated it, which is wonderful. But sometimes you can make a big deal about something, also with chokhmah, not thank you so much for apologizing and make them feel stupid. But sometimes you could say, you know, it really made me feel good. I had a, had a great day because you said that. Or, you know, that little thing you did. And I'm talking where he did do something. Not where you make him believe and you're setting him up to do something for you and you're telling him how much it meant to you. Your husband did something small, very small. You wouldn't even consider it a return. Or you would, and it's a small return. And you can make a big deal about it. Very many people, when they get something they don't want or didn't need, it's like, okay, this is not what I want from you. This is not what I wanted. I don't want it this way. I don't want it that way. This is not what's meaningful. I want something else. I told you. If somebody gives you something and you can make a big deal about what they give you or what, what it meant to you, you already did so much, just like that, just by appreciating. You did so much to build a connection and a relationship. And very often you made it easier for the person to give you more because they feel like a giver and they feel good about it and they see it as being taken well. And very often that could bring about other things that they'll give you that you do want. And even if it doesn't, it's really very important. And, and, and you know, that's, that's something that's, that's, that's very important. People, people pass up on a lot of opportunities to express appreciation for small things that they got because it's not what they wanted, they didn't even notice it, which is a problem of its own, um, and so forth. Now, another important point, when you want to get returns, aside from deserving them, and aside from, from giving and investing, but another important thing, you want to educate people. And there's two ways of educating people. One is, by telling someone what it is that's important to you, and they didn't know it. They didn't know it. And I see this so often. Sometimes people will tell me, I want my wife to do this, I want my husband. Did you ever tell her you want that? I have to tell her? And my answer is, you don't have to. Do you, want her to, do you want her to know? Well, she should know. They didn't teach her in college classes. It doesn't matter what they taught her. If something is meaningful to you, regardless of if everyone knows it, or everyone should know it, or nobody knows it, it doesn't matter. If you could tell someone what's meaningful to you, and you could share it in the right time, not when somebody did something wrong, or didn't do that, or did something, or, or, says, or you're fighting about it, or you're resentful, like we started off with, the right time. You say, you know, it would mean so much to me if you could do that. I know that, I, and again, I, I always like bumpering it up. I know that the reason you don't do it is not because you don't care about me. I know that it could be I'm just into this crazy thing and nobody even needs it because it's not important. I know that there are a lot of other ways you try to help me and please me and give to me. This is meaningful to me. If you could, it's great. If not, it's fine. You educated someone. You helped someone understand something. And sometimes you say it a few times as long as you're not repeating yourself in a way that's hurtful or condescending. Or, or again, I'll tell you, I'll tell you until you do it. And that's not the point. But sometimes you say it once, twice, the person didn't pick up on you and in a very nice non-confrontational, non-challenging way, you say it a third time and start realizing, wow, this is important. And another way of educating, like I said before a little bit, is when somebody does something to you and I'm not just talking about making a big deal about it so that they identify as a good person. There are times that somebody will do something and they didn't even realize what they did. They didn't even realize, they did something meaningful, they didn't even realize it. Just last week somebody told me about a very interesting scenario, I'm not going to go into the detail, but he told me of a, of a situation where he came home from a certain event, he was, he's a, he was a presenter of a certain event, he was making some kind of show, whatever it was, and he came home, and his wife, and his wife greeted him in a certain way. Okay, I'm going to give the example, which wasn't the example that he said, but she came out and, and, and asked him right away how it was, and started going into detail with the feedback, and it was interesting, because 
she usually didn't express interest in what he does or how he does or things like that. And it was very meaningful to him. Now he was attributing what she did to something that happened before. He worked on the relationship and things were getting better. But he picked up on the on the on the he, he had this thought that, you know, my wife just did something that's so meaningful to me. I wonder if she even realizes. I wonder if she even realizes that in the past she didn't do it, now she did do it, there's something I appreciate, something I always wanted. And he said it in a very healthy way, you know. It really means so much to me what you just did. This is something that, that I, I was always looking out for. You know, he didn't say it in a way that was hurtful that you never did it till now, but he, picked, he, he made a point of it. And she was shocked. In other words, even though it happened naturally now, which just goes to show what happens when people are in a better place, they understand each other and they give each other and they... You know, and they're there for each other, but she, she didn't even realize that this was so meaningful to him. He helped her understand that. So these are all just ways of, instead of just giving and giving and giving and hoping one day something will come back, these are ways to give the right thing that they come back. So let me just take it together over here. Right? You want to give to someone whatever you could give. You want to give them in a way that they feel they're giving to you. You want to take whatever they are giving to you and make a big deal about it so they identify as a giver. You want to let them know in a healthy way what it is that you appreciate so that they can give you. And you want to pick up on the things that they do give you that you do appreciate and, and tell them this is so meaningful to you. Very often this is something that, that could really uh, make these returns come a little faster. Now I do want to pick up on another thing which is a little more sensitive. Right? You mentioned over here that your husband uh, mentions divorce often and, you, and you're justifying it basically, or you're, you're explaining it that you know this is where he comes from, this is what, what he's used to. That's sad, it's obviously not the right thing to do, but unfortunately he throws it at you. Now, the first thing I just want to compliment you on and have people hear is the fact that you know that he doesn't mean it and you know that all he means to say is that I'm upset now and I just need it, whatever. It's very good. It's important to be able to, to, to interpret correctly what somebody means. It's very important. Sometimes someone can say the same words and it means two different things. Sometimes people actually have good intentions. They didn't mean anything at all. It's taken wrong. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying even when somebody says something that's downright um, 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 hurtful, but you know deep down that all they just, all they just mean to say is I'm hurt now. It's very good. It's very healthy. It doesn't justify what he did. It doesn't mean it, but it's good. How often parents hear from children, a little kid saying, I hate you, Tati. I hate you, Mommy. I'm not saying it's okay to say it. I'm not saying you shouldn't respond in a healthy way make sure the child doesn't say it. But, but I think most parents know, as, as hurtful as it is, he doesn't mean to say he hates you. He's going to come to you crying when he, when he stubs his toe in two seconds from now, right? He doesn't hate you. He means to say that he's upset. So we could, we could teach him, we could help him understand the right way to express it, but sometimes just interpreting it is, is very important. That's first of all. So when your husband says that he wants to divorce you, and the fact that you understand that he, he might not mean it, or he doesn't mean it, is, is wonderful. I commend you on that. Now, when somebody does say something that hurtful, um, too often, let's call it, and you want to know how to respond, there's different ways to respond. Let's first give the simplest. And again, it's very sensitive, so I don't want people to decide on their own how and when to apply this. I'm just giving different ideas Sometimes the best thing to do is nothing. You don't answer. If you don't answer, I'm not talking about walking away, sulking and, and giving a silent treatment. I'm saying, you don't answer. You don't answer on the spot. Similar to what we started off with, timing. You don't answer. You heard it. It was hurtful. You don't say anything. You don't argue about it. You don't fight about it. And an hour later or a day later, when things are calm, and again, in a very non-challenging way, you approach your husband and say, you know, I, I know that you were angry and it could be I did something wrong and I apologize for what I did. It was very hurtful when you said that. Sometimes that's all you have to do. You have to express it and healthy, without the but. Not, I know you did it, but it was very hurtful. Please don't say it again. You'd be surprised how sometimes if you communicate that in the right tone, in the right way, at the right time, you won't have to do more than that. Sometimes you might have to go to the next level and say, you know, if you say it again, I get so hurt, I might have to walk out. I might, I might just have to take my space. 
But most often, just saying the right way and, and making them feel like you really understand them, but not being afraid to say, this was hurtful, please don't ever do that again. It might work. It might work. Um, and sometimes, if you, don't, if you don't have a choice, you might even want to say it in the spot, but most often it's the wrong thing to say in the moment. So if you can wait it out, and you have what it takes to wait it out, you're a few steps ahead. Sometimes when somebody says it in the moment, you might want to reflect and say, I, I don't think you mean that. I don't think you mean that, do you? And sometimes that's enough to bring someone down and calm things down. And sometimes, unfortunately, when somebody throws that at you too often and it's becoming too flippant uh, you know, a way of saying something hurtful, and there's no kids around, because you want to be careful how kids ever hear these words, they should never hear these words, you might look someone in the eye and say, if you want to divorce me, then maybe we should proceed with that. I, I, would, I would hate for it to happen. I want to be very careful to right away express it. I would hate for it to happen. But if that's what you feel we should do, then let's discuss it with someone. Sometimes, with such a kind of reaction, you can make sure it won't be said again. Nobody's going to say that again if they're afraid you might take them up on it. But again, this is, this is sensitive. So I think the best way to do it is not to respond, not to react, and then know how to come back later and, and be vulnerable and share how hurt you were by this and ask nicely to please don't say it again. Now some people might say, well, I have to ask nicely, it's ridiculous. You talk to me like this, now I understand. Well, again, you can fight someone about it, but, but I don't want to say what can happen. So you just have to use some chachma, chachma, snushim, bon sabaisa, you know, some patience and some, and some good feeling and, and know how to not turn that into the whole, you know, the whole relationship now turns into what you said and what I said. And if you ever say that again and I don't need you and you do say, don't do that. Don't do that. Build a relationship. Keep on going. Keep on going. Invest even more. You'll get the returns. Don't worry. And, and, and don't get stuck in that. But, that, but it's, it's clear that debating it and turning it into a fight and a conflict and making it into a whole source of aggravation is not going to make anyone else happier. So I'll just end off with this. You know, it's nice that you sound like you see the good in your husband, even though it's been a few challenging years, you say. Um, everyone has a lot of good in them. It's, it's good that even when he says something hurtful, you see he doesn't mean it. It's so, it's so important to see the good in people. Right? Just now was a Pshim Bayichui, right? Uh, like Boimer. Pshim Bayichui saw the good in everyone. Pshim Bayichui uncovered the hidden secrets of Torah and the hidden secrets of Kal Yisro. Seeing your husband in a good light and knowing that he means well and is good and has potential and, and wants to be good and, and the little things he does, oh wow, that's the real him. That's very important. So many people, when they see somebody who's, for lack of a better uh, um, um, percentage, they're, they're 60% no good and 40% good or 90% no good, whatever it is. Only a very small percent of the things that they do that I like and I appreciate and I see... But when you see it as that's the real them, that they're really good, and you can help them uncover it, you're going to believe in them, that feeling, that attitude, aside from giving you a little more patience and a little more uh, feeling to them, it makes them feel good too. And you make them feel good, and you see them as good, and you help them bring out the good, like we mentioned before. Somebody just repeated to me a, a, a nice story about a, a Magachir who was making chasna, and he got up and he... And he, he was so thankful, he thanks Hashem that he can make chasna, and that's such a big expense, but he didn't have to come out to anyone's nadovas, nobody, he didn't have to take any echnus' kala, he was able to pay all the bills himself, amazingly. And there were a few people there that were hurt by that, because they gave money for this chasna, right? People that were close to the magachir, um, people on the staff, whatever, they were collecting for him, and they gave money, and here he is saying he didn't have to take anyone's money, like, what happened? And they went over to the people who were collecting for him, and said, you know, what happened over here? I gave you all the money, and he said he didn't take anyone's money, like, what, what, what do we do here? And he said, no, we gave it to Medeir Kovid. We gave him a small job, and we paid him a lot for it, and we made him, uh, we, we made believe there's a lot of money for it, whatever it was, and, and he felt that he was getting paid, and Matan Basaisa, Medeir Kovid, it was the best thing in the world. Sometimes you can give a spouse in a way that it's Matan Basaisa, you make them feel like they're giving you, 
You make them feel like you need them. You make them feel like you're getting so much from them and it just makes it easier for them to give, easier for them to feel good about themselves, easier for them to bring out the best of themselves and for you to bring out the best of them and for both of you to bring out the best of each other and live together.